through that process, I myself, you know, a guy who grew up in Minneapolis, I get to learn the language, you know, a little bit. I don't totally know it, but, you know, I get to understand it better and I get to have, a, you know, like an actual relationship with the language through my art, you know, which is the most important facet of my life. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their story. Each week we have conversations with great guests, including policymakers, healers, language warriors, the list goes on. And we're hearing about their gifts, how they realize those gifts, and how they're now sharing them with the community. And we continue that mission today. So what's up, sis? Besides talking to fabulous people, that's what I do when I hang out with my kid and I hang out with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Wash, rinse, repeat every day. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's pretty satisfying, actually. <laughs> How about you? It's a lot of rinse, you know, and, and repeat kind of thing, but, you know, a lot of working. Um, but also, I recently was able to get back into the studio to do a little <gasps> harmonies for one of my buddies who's doing a song. So that was nice getting back in the studio a little bit and get next to a, you know, professional mic situation and stuff like that. I don't know. So it's good. It was good. <laughs> well, we're a musical family. Mm-hmm. We also have quite a few visual artists in the family. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. It's funny because, you know, like dad's super good at, you know, drawing, painting, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, our uncle Steve Primo. And I don't know about you, <laughs> but I feel like I did not get that gene. <laughs> I feel like my mind has just gone towards, you know, little doodles and that's about it. But yeah, <laughs> that's about it. But no, I've seen I've seen you do some pretty sweet paintings of like, you know, the landscapes and stuff. Trees. Thank you. Back in the day when I would just paint the landscape that I wanted to be immersed in. Mm-hmm. And now just looking out the window, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> I see the birch trees in the yeah, pond. You're yearning for those trees and now you have them. <laughs> nice. Very nice. So we're going to talk to Jonathan Thunder today. Jonathan Thunder is from the Red Lake Nation. He's a multidisciplinary artist with surreal imagery, as well as animated films and installations in which he addresses subject matter from loss and recovery of Indigenous sovereignty, environmental welfare, and humorous social commentary. The images are very striking indeed, yes. I love how he names his pieces too, like... um, Jabakwe Gizus, the cooking moon makes hangover Mac. (laughs) (laughs) And on the grave of the giant, where you can see the couple on the canoe with like what I believe is Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox dead under the water. Um, And a line three pipe coming out from the water, kind of like a snake or something Mm. like that. And then the doctrine of rediscovery. So a lot of like looking at these interpretations of things that we're very familiar with, but looking at it through another lens, uh, which is fascinating. So, yeah. Can't wait to dive in. Hey, Buju. Buju, Jonathan, uh, can you please start by introducing yourself and where you're joining us from? Yeah, uh, Buju, my name is Jonathan Thunder, and I'm tuning in from Duluth, Minnesota. 
Nice. How how are you doing and how's your family doing during the, you know, the pandemic? Uh, you know, it's been a wild year. There's uh, definitely been no shortage of adventure. And uh, both my parents actually at one point who are both 68 got uh, COVID-19 and uh, that was a little scary, but uh, we all pulled through it. And uh, I would say, you know, being on my second vaccine, it's uh, it's kind of looking like I'm just feeling a little easier about it now, you know, not uh, getting too relaxed yet, but getting there. Hopefully. We'll see, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, we'd love to talk to you more about, you know, what you're up to and your work. I know um, over email I said, you know, your work and your purpose. And I don't know, how how is your work doing right now? Uh, well, at the beginning of uh, around March, I'll say, of 2020, things started to change, right? You started to watch the news and they were kind of shutting things down a little bit. I had uh, a lot of appointments that, uh, you know, like art-related events that were starting to get tentatively uh, put on hold. And pretty soon, a lot of things just started to get canceled. So, um, you know, I was watching the news and definitely playing along, you know, staying safe and staying home. And um, But I think uh, in my practice, you know, I, I have my kind of traditional art side where I do canvas painting and... Uh, and I have my um, kind of like more uh, technology-based side where I do animation, digital animation and design. So I was able to kind of pick up the slack a little bit on that, you know, and I had some some things that were uh, already in the queue, you know, uh, commissions that I had already signed contracts on that uh, kind of held me through, you know, the pandemic. And um, in 2020, I actually received an award from the Pollock Krasner Foundation which kind of saved my butt in a, you know, a lot of ways because this uh, award where there's like some money attached to it and they're, you know, they're saying here, uh, you know, we want you to paint for a year. And that to me was, you know, that was a, a great way to get through the pandemic. You know, when uh, I was just in my first stages of kind of getting used to all of the staying home part. You know, like it's one thing to stay home because you want to work, right? I usually uh, work at home, but having to stay home, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. So like I, I really just dove into my canvases and made a lot of work, you know, and also made some digital work, you know, with uh, some uh, collaborators. And uh, between all that, I would say that, um, you know, it was, I feel blessed. I'll say I feel, I feel uh, like, you know, I was kind of blessed to be able to get through this in a good way. That's great. Can you give us just a quick like laundry list of the types of projects that you work on? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. So um, this year and last year, I was asked to be a part of this project that is funded by the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. And uh, they met with first language Ojibwe speaking elders who would tell stories from the 50s, right? When they grew up, you know, the 60s and the 70s. And kind of tell them from a perspective where it wasn't like they were telling creation stories or like winter count stories or anything like that. It was more like real life uh, accounts of what it was like to grow up during that time. And uh, it was told in all Ojibwe. And my job, uh, what I was commissioned to do, 
was to uh, take about a third of those stories and illustrate them. So uh, there were two other artists on the project and uh, we all split the stories up and, you know, it was an epic, humongous project. I think that kind of took my mind off a lot of things that were happening. And, uh, you know, I was really able to just jump into those. Uh, It's something that I like doing because uh, I've been working with um, Ojibwe language carriers and teachers uh, for years now, you know, as an illustrator or as an animator. And uh, through that process, I myself, you know, a guy who grew up in Minneapolis, I get to learn the language, you know, a little bit. Like, uh, I don't totally know it. You know, I couldn't form like a full paragraph of sentences, but, you know, I get to understand it better and I get to have, you know, like an actual relationship with the language through my art, you know, which is the most important facet of my life. You know, it's a very uh, special thing that I get to be a part of that. Cool. Yeah, those books are great. (laughs) What is it, Anjibimadising? Cool. Yeah. Our our dad was involved with that, uh, William Primo. Did you uh, have any uh, conversations with him on that? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I knew that. (laughs) Steve is a buddy of mine, so I would get to sit at the Primo table sometimes when we were kind of, you know, like having a meal break or something, (laughs) and I would sit and listen to their stories, and it was just... (laughs) You know, I, I felt I felt like one of the cool kids. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, I don't know that I got to illustrate. Um, I'd have to look for sure. I'm not sure that I got to illustrate one of his stories. I think Steve kind of took the bulk of those because he might have had like a, a working like firsthand knowledge of that. Yeah. So yeah. it might have been a better fit for him to do that. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Jonathan Thunder. Jonathan Thunder is from the Red Lake Nation and a multidisciplinary artist. So, so Jonathan, uh, what, what, you know, what led you into the line of work that you're in and uh, in the interests that you have? I guess I was always, you know, I was that kid that was always drawing on his math uh, school book. You know, I didn't have a lot of interest in, uh, you know, kind of the regular classroom stuff that was happening. And uh, it was apparent, you know, like I did graduate from high school. And during uh, that transition, my career counselor at the high school that I was going to in South Minneapolis gave me the dangerous advice that I should go to college to be an artist which is like telling a kid that you should go uh, either starve or, uh, you know, work really hard until basically the day that you expire. So, uh, after working a cubicle job for about a year after high school, I decided that uh, cubicle life wasn't for me. I found the pamphlet for the Institute of American Indian Arts in some of my old high school stuff. So I wrote them a letter saying why I wanted to, back then you wrote a letter. This was a 99, uh, saying why. What are letters? <laughs> yeah. Using Shut pencil and, uh, or pen and paper, whatever, um, and yeah. applied for the school. And, uh, ever since then, it's all I've pretty much been able to think of, you know, is just that, uh, you know, I would be an artist in some capacity. I don't think for me, there's been any other like plan B, you know, it's, it hasn't been that kind of road for me. It's just been uh, plan A and that's it. And uh, I just have kind of done it since. Do you remember like your first 
artist like project, uh, like big project and like something that you're. Yeah. Well, so I was still in college uh, and I got hired to do a mural at the American Indian Magnet School in St. Paul. And they wanted some clan animals. Right. And I, uh, you know, I, I had seen like a million clan animal murals in my life and they, they kind of all look pretty much the same. So I mm. thought, well, all right, how can I get excited about this project? So I just kind of made them in my own style. You know, I gave them life. I kind of made them uh, anthropomorphic, I think is the word where, uh, you know, it's like mm -hmm. they have human characteristics. For me, that was such a great experience, you know, to uh, go to this school where all these little kids were at and create this mural, you know, and it, it wasn't like an epic, huge mural. I think it was like six feet by six feet or something like that. But um, I would say that it was a successful project. So I had a lot of fun, you know, like just working with the school and answering questions and uh, just knew, you know, that uh, I would like to do more of those at that point. And there was actually a check attached to finishing the project, which, you know, I, I could say that maybe that was my first paying gig. Going pro. That's what it, it felt like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so cool to like, if you, you know, embark on a new project, you know, kind of feel like the discomfort of like, mm, what am I going to do? But really going back to who you are as an artist and just, you know, what, what excites you about it and finding that and then moving forward, holding that, I think really helps guide you or guide one along their way in uh, making art or going through with any sort of project. At least that's what I find, making radio. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, what artists have you looked up to? You know, I always say that Ice Cube is like my favorite artist uh, overall nice. because, um, you know, he didn't start out as what I would say, you know, would be like the perfect role model kind of uh, template, you could say. Mm -hmm. But uh, from the beginning of his career, I think he's been truthful and, uh, you know, original. And when he broke off, you know, he continues to kind of tell his reality and speak directly to his community, you know, aside from what outside communities viewing might think about what he's saying or how it might affect their emotions. So uh, in that truthfulness, you know, he not only says like what he uh, thinks people want to hear, he also says what he thinks people need to hear too. And yeah. um, that kind of like self uh, non-censoring, you know, is something that I like to do in my painting. And when I, when I create an image, you know, like I always want to speak directly to my audience, which is, you know, other indigenous people, but <clears throat> I also am part of, you know, I try to be part of a world conversation too. So I try to speak to that world conversation from the perspective of uh, some Ojibwe guy who grew up in the Twin Cities and knows a little bit about, you know, Ojibwe stuff through his art. And, uh, you know, I, I try not to censor it and I try not to tiptoe around things. So, uh, yeah, as a, you know, an artist, and it's kind of an odd question for a visual, you know, I mean, it's kind of an odd answer for a visual artist to say, uh, well, my favorite artist is Ice Cube. But, you know, it's just kind of those ethics that I think, yeah. you know, like is, you know, is great. And, uh, 
Um, there's a there's an Ojibwe artist who lives in uh, New Mexico. His name is uh, David Bradley. And uh, when I was in college, I remember seeing this guy's work and uh, the you know the level of craftsmanship and composition and detail, um, mm-hmm. the use of shape and color was always so inspiring to me. And every one of them had a, you know, like you could look at it and see a story. Uh, he would, I would say is uh, one of my favorite artists. You know, there's a, there's a whole, there's a lot of them, you know, that I can go through. Uh, well, it looks like you really have something to say when, when I look at your art, right. And, you know, you talk about kind of being, you know, even if it's an unpopular opinion and, Cole and I were looking at or talking about the one uh, on the grave of the giant um, with, I believe is Paul Bunyan, I'm guessing. So the painting, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox Underwater is, you know, the the signature Jonathan Thunder, beautiful colors, um, very vivid, and kind of this serene above water image of two people in a canoe and underneath the water is what looks like Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox, very much deceased. <laughs> and then a little a little pipeline, kind of like a tentacle coming through with the number three on it. I, I just think that's so fascinating because, you know, there are these quote unquote heroes. Can you talk a bit about that particular work? Yeah. So uh, on the grave of a giant is partially about Paul Bunyan um, and Bay of the Blue Ox. All around this area, you get to see statues of Paul Bunyan. And uh, I guess I never really took a break to, uh, you know, kind of assess how I feel about Paul Bunyan. But, um, you know, the word erasure uh, came to mind. Like uh, this character that was created in the 1800s, you know, during kind of like a mass deforestation period, uh, you know, may have been created as like, you know, the, the noble face of tribal displacement, right? And uh, I think that's something that, you know, Western civilization has always done as they push through, you know, like areas and um, stolen land is they've always tried to make it look cute. You know, they want to make it look cute for themselves, for their families back home, for their kids, right? And that that's what Paul Bunyan, you know, to me looks like when I, when I see him. So, uh, during this time that I was thinking about this, I was also for my very first time learning how to pole in a rice canoe. So uh, that for me was, you know, like I would say kind of a terrifying experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever done that. I want to. <laughs> no. You know, I don't know who was more terrified, me or the guy who was teaching me how to do it, because just knowing that the canoe would probably flip over. You know, this guy was like in his in his swimsuit, basically, when I'm, I'm standing up in the <laughs> back of the canoe with a pole and a life jacket and uh, just praying, basically, that I didn't flip this thing. So, you know, I think just the, you know, kind of the melding of those two, I just started to think that, you know, it's kind of cool that, you know, I think about these things. I think about these stories, you know, that are, were designed to erase, you know, like our story to kind of like, you know, the story that Americana tells, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're showing up at any lake that we want to, to do some rising because, you know, that's our treaty. Right. And we just kind of push through, you know, like it's, it's like, you can't stop us because 
um, you know, something happened back then, you know, we're still doing our thing. And uh, that's kind of the gist of that painting, you know, people uh, racing during a pandemic on the watery grave of Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Jonathan Thunder. Jonathan Thunder is from the Red Lake Nation and is a multidisciplinary artist. So, Jonathan, before you got on, Cole and I were talking about your piece, Quarantine at Grandma's House. (laughs) And we were just talking to each other about, you know, what we saw in the image. Um, So... We, we talked earlier about a bit about the pandemic. Now, as an artist, do you see your work shifting in ways that it might not have or unexpectedly, um, such as content or um, ideas, inspiration? Um, with quarantine at grandma's house, uh, I, want, I wanted to kind of tell the full story. You know, like you have an elderly couple, that's grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. right? it's their house and they're kind of holding it down, They pro- which they probably would be in real life, right? They'd probably be kind of like the key holder of the house and making sure everybody's in line, you know, but then you got like the uncle who's always telling stories and, you know, maybe he's always got a beer in his hand. And then you got the other uncle who's like super tradition. He's kind of hanging out in the back, like being himself and like, you know, bringing medicine into the house with a song. And, uh, I also wanted to draw from my generation, right? These key elements from my generation and mix them with Ojibwe themes. Like the the mm-hmm. guy playing the drum uh, has two turtles flying on each side of him. And those are actually characters from Super Mario Brothers, which, uh, you know, I grew up playing that. So that's a part of my life. You know, that's to me uh, a valid uh piece of imagery that can go into quote-unquote Native American artwork and uh, you know that mm-hmm. uh, that painting also has some themes of like mankind versus nature because I, I heard a lot of people telling that they thought that this was a great time for mother nature to, to breathe you know because all the humans were kind of like resting or holding still and uh I thought, you know, like, okay, so in Ojibwe culture, like, well, who have I heard is kind of like the keeper of the forest or, you know, the man in the woods or whatever, uh, Bigfoot, right? But I didn't want to paint Bigfoot because that would be too obvious. So when I was a kid, there was this uh, cartoon character named the Grape Ape. He was, uh, you know, I think he had one line. He would just say, Grape Ape. And uh, I <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, he's kind of like Bigfoot and uh, probably way more cool because he has a cool cap, you know, and stuff like that. So I wanted to put uh, that character kind of on the end of the painting opposite of the sort of the character that symbolizes the coronavirus uh, kind of character, yeah. you know, just to show that, uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of something to think about. You know, like we're all inside our house and Mother Nature is outside getting a chance to breathe. And the, uh, the composition in that piece, you know, is very busy. And uh, the reason why it is is because I wanted to create this effect that there was an extended family all living under the same roof. Right. You know, and trying to stay home and stay safe. And uh, what gave me that idea is when we were sitting uh, on the couch, you know, my wife and I were sitting on the couch and the Surgeon General said the words, two demographics that we think will be uh, most affected by this pandemic are Native Americans 
and elders. And I look, I turned and looked at my wife, like, why did he just say Native Americans? Like, what, what, what's his problem? But, uh, you know, we kind of started to chop it up, you know, and think about it. And, uh, you know, I just read, and as this pandemic progressed, information uh, evolved, you know, and changed and they kind of like learned things and then, uh, you know, learned other things. And what I kind of figured out is that they were saying that um, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of cases where it's an extended family, multi-generational family, all living under the same house. And that probably is one of the leading factors as to why Native Americans were put at the highest risk. So going into that, um, I really pushed myself to create, you know, like a, a piece of uh, art that told that story, you know, and kind of, um, I had the time to do it because I, you know, I had the uh, Paula Krasner grant. I would say, uh, you know, it helped me kind of bring my work, um, not only on the canvas, but, you know, like in the digital sense to, to uh, kind of like a more complex version, like I can really sit and kind of flesh out these these ideas and tell these stories. It's, you know, this whole thing, there's nothing, there's no way to sugarcoat any of this stuff. It's all pretty grim, you know, so there are some grim undertones to all of this. And, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to talk about it openly. You know, it's like, uh, I did do uh, one painting about hope, like speaking about hope, you know, as opposed to, you see all these people on social media just going after each other's throat you know, about who's got the best answer. But, you know, what I enjoyed was the people that were just trying to help each other stay positive, you know, and like lift each other up and just say something nice, you know, to somebody who is probably sitting in their house scared and not knowing what's going to happen, just like the you know rest of us were. You know, I, I also explored that avenue as well. And, uh, you know, I always, I always like to uh, end on a positive note you know, with these messages that I'm talking about, because, you know, otherwise, why did you even say it? Yeah. Well, that's really great. Well, Chimigwech, Jonathan Thunder, for taking time to chat with us today on Native Lights. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's so yeah. to hear Absolutely. more about that was fun. Good. I love that. Ending on a message of hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that'd be a good way to go out. With some ice cube in the background. I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yep. And on the, and on the positive, Mm -hmm. on the hope, you know, and I really find that quarantine at grandma's house actually really hopeful too, because, you know, the whole family is kind of like, you know, together in his community and protecting one another um, against the coronavirus. So I really like what that had to say. Definitely. I also liked his bit, you know, on the people you look up to, you know, for your art doesn't necessarily have to be people that do exactly what you do, like Ice Cube. I mean, that's that's great. Take your inspiration where you can get it. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you to Jonathan Thunder. Yes, Jonathan Thunder is from the Red Lake Nation. He's a multidisciplinary artist known for large-scale paintings, animated films, and installations. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamen. Gigawabamen. If there's someone you'd like to hear us catch up with, or if you have comments about the show, please send us an email at nativelights at ampers.org. 
or find Minnesota Native News on Facebook or Instagram. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.